Howdy, and welcome to episode two of the Breaking Awesome Podcast. My name is Matt, as in Matthew, coming to you from the My Wheatfield Bunker in Plymouth, America, sitting to my left, perched in his evil lair, high above downtown Marion, Kansas, my good friend Dan. Say howdy to the people, Dan. Hello. Some people say I look like Sitting. <laughs> he does, folks. Sitting to my right, sipping a mint julep underneath the largest magnolia tree in the state of Kansas. My good friend Kent, say howdy to the people, Kent. Howdy, people. Finally seated across from me, keeping his blaster at the ready in a dark corner of the Wichita Cantina, the man who always shoots first, my good friend Heath. Say howdy to the people, Heath. Howdy. Now, let's start with you, Dan. What's up? Um, nothing. Nothing? <laughs> Fail. I'm sorry, I didn't... I didn't write out my response. <laughs> to what is up? <laughs> to what is what, up? What have you been doing this week? What's life been like, Dan? How's how's the weather? How's Gigi? How's Gigi? She Gigi's, Gigi's fine. Her arm is mending. Broken in two places, but uh, they want to keep the pins in a couple more weeks. But uh, yeah, she's doing all right. Has she sworn off teeter-totters? Yes, and parks in general. <laughs> Good. They're dangerous. Now you need to tell her when, when I got the pin pulled out of my finger, I was really afraid that it was going to hurt like nothing, and it, I, I didn't even feel it. So, Did they give you a shot or something? You just didn't No, feel it. I mean, it, seriously, it did not hurt at all. Huh. Huh. Yeah. They just, he just, whoop, and it came right out, and, it, and I, I, I mean, it did not. Was it sticking it. out of the skin? I mean, is it like... Did it yeah, have... they put those pins in so they stick out. That way they can just put a pliers on it and yank it out. Whoa. I yeah. did not know that. Yep, that's how it works. And I had you're a... really terrified of it, and then it, I, didn't, it, I didn't feel a thing. I had a catheter taken out once, and that was a an experience. You kind of feel that one for a few days. It didn't they, so much hurt as just feel really weird. Like something wrong just happened? Yeah. <laughs> something uh, very unnatural. When they took my unnatural. stint out, it, it hurt. It, it was not a pleasant feeling. Your stint? Where did you have a stint? In <laughs> uh, my urethra. No. Can, Which one is just... the one from the kidney to the bladder? Oh, I don't know about that. Ureter? ureter? I think ureter? it's ureter. It was in my ureter. Oh. And uh, wow, that, that was not pleasant getting it out. Now it's ureter, it's not ureter? <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Now, Kent, ask Matt where they pulled it out from. Where did they pull that out from, Matt? Safe word, Kent. So, Kent, what, <laughs> Come is on, you, Kent. what is up with you? Man, what is up with me? I'm just living the life, you know? Uh, I should point out that you're not, I assume, actually drinking a mint julep. I don't want you to get fired, so. no. No, no mint juleps. Um, just but I feel mint. like you're my friend that lives in the South now. You got because that of the magnolia tree. tree? There was a civil war, you know, Confederates strung up down the road from your house. I mean, right. it's genuine the South. It Except really is. Except for they wouldn't string up Confederates in the South. Right. Well, kind of there's the that little detail. There's kind of a, there are plenty there of Confederates they strung up in the South here. <laughs> And there were Confederates who lived here, yeah. I mean, most of the war was fought in the well, South. Well, okay. No, that's true. You're right. Right. Yep. 
Living the life. Well, so, living the life. So your magnolia tree, Kent, what is the deal with it? It holds some kind of record. I don't know. I, what it I is. believe it's the largest in the state of Kansas. I just announced it at the beginning of the podcast. Here. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Yeah, it's kind of been all over the news lately. This all pod- over the news. Or at least this podcast. Oh, do you podcast, know of another magnolia tree in the state of Kansas? I honestly do not know of any other magnolia trees in the state of Kansas. So, oh, Am I going to shut that? off this phone? Podcast hey, foul. Sorry about that. Heath, what's up? Well, tomorrow is Ethan's birthday. Hey. Happy birthday, Ethan. I remember that. He Must will be turn, my nephew's birthday too then. Turn 11. That's right. We were in the hospital <laughs> at the same time. 11 years. Yep. Why don't you tell that story, Heath? That is a good story, actually. It yeah. was weird. Cause, in all of yeah, its graphic detail. We showed up at the hospital detail. and like, they didn't know what to tell us. And they were like, I guess you can go in. I don't know. <laughs> we were like there and it was like 15. I don't, it wasn't very long afterwards. Right, yeah. So he was four weeks early. He was born at 36 weeks because Jenny had uh, preeclampsia. <clears throat> and so they needed to induce. And they they started the induction. And a couple hours later, she was starting to get in a lot of pain, as women tend to do when they're in labor. And uh, we called the doctor in to get her epidural. And he came in and and did that did the epidural thing and then as he was leaving they said something about how we should check her to check her dilation and they said well we'll wait, wait like they wanted they wanted you to check her no the doctor and the nurse the you like yeah, sure, let me get the in nurse. there and they right. said we'll give her a couple minutes until so she's more comfortable cuz then she won't feel it she could still feel everything at the you know right after the epidural right and so uh so they all left and and as she was leaving, the nurse said, just let us know if you start to feel any pressure down there. Well, <clears throat> then she walked out the door, and Jenny looked at me, and we're the only two people in the room, and she says, I feel some pressure down there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So she waited till the professionals <laughs> left to tell you that? Well, they kind of left in a rush. It was like a, in a movie when... Somebody needs to tell somebody something, but there's really no breathing room, you know? Right. And so right. the important thing doesn't get said. Right. And, uh, and so I, you know, lift the, the covers and check down there. And sure enough, I can see a baby head starting to crown and start to freak out a little bit. And so in the moment that it took me to drop the covers and run up to the head of her bed and hit the button... To, to call the nurse, which I did, but as I did it, I heard, Dan, I might say that was a perfect spot for you to do a sound effect. Come on, Dan. <laughs> Sorry. You're so aggressive. You killed you myself last night. <laughs> Get this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, I, I haven't vetted all of these sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> so we looked at each other in shock and horror, and I go and I lift up the covers. Thankfully, they hadn't removed, you know, the bed's breakaway down there. The bed right. was still there. And there lays little baby Ethan on the bed. And I, of course, freak out at this moment and run and open the door and yell, 
the baby's been born. We need a doctor down here. Something so like that. So Ethan's first remember. memory of his father is that his father is a coward. That's and then saying. I went back to him and picked him up. And I'm really scared because I, I just thought something was wrong. This isn't right, you know. But thankfully, he wasn't like Jacob. When Jacob was born, his, his older brother, he didn't cry at all. He was totally silent for probably a day almost. He didn't really cry. He was but, just super stoic or what? Yeah, he was. Thankfully, though, <laughs> Ethan started crying at this point, which was like the biggest relief I've ever had because then I thought, okay, he's breathing. He's alive. He's okay. And then the best part of it, though, was when the nurse came in and, and there I was holding the baby. <laughs> the look on her face was priceless. Just this look of shock. And and to my credit, her first response was to run out of the room, too. <laughs> Did they still charge you? Yeah, charged us for everything because we were, we were one of the You had to pay the time. doctor fee? Still paid the doctor, just like he had been there and done the whole thing. And even for the epidural, had to pay, pay for that, even though it didn't actually do anything. Right. Because then they just switched it off, yeah. So that was fun. Got in that, cut his umbilical cord, and we put him on Jenny's tummy, and he was fine. Are you gonna take this? There you go. Yeah. So Betsy went back to work yesterday. Wait, 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 wait. Awesome, Matt. What? That's me. What's up with you? That's him. Betsy is his wife. I, I know. I was doing a, tr- a segue. Uh, you're yeah, segueing to sure. Matt. Matt, what's up sure. with you? I don't, you? I don't need your help, Heath. <laughs> I'll segue on my own. Thank you very how's, much. How's Betsy doing with so work? So Betsy went back to work, which means I'm back to part-time stay-at-home father. Nice. How's so, that going? Well, first day went pretty good. Was, was that all the videos um, of the children that you sent us? Is that where that came from, or was that something else? The videos of the children, the, not the, zo- the zombie children. Oh no, that was that was just boy. Both both uh, the the soon to be four year old and two year old Jimmy and Katie. They're both pretty sick. Katie's been running a fever for like three or four days now, but it, it never really gets very high. It's just oh man. And she was really sick like on uh, Saturday. I mean, she was just very not well on Saturday, but she's. Obviously feeling better, but she's still running this fever. Jimmy too, so there's that. Is that why they've been trying to eat mommy brains? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's they're just the whiniest creatures you've ever seen. Right. Mommy, mommy. <laughs> and then, of course, the big news is that Teddy has learned how to roll over. So. Oh yeah, nice. Pretty stoked about that. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, congratulations. <laughs> How old is Teddy now? He is. He'll be in ten days. He will be three months old. I I have to confess that I have a hard time keeping track of all your guys's kids. Your yeah. boys, yeah. especially. I have a hard track time keeping track of my kids. <laughs> I know it was it was uh, Clem's birthday yesterday, so happy oh, birthday! Yeah. Happy birthday, Clem! Yes, Notice happy that birthday Dan to her. Forgot about it, but you know, might have been something to say. Way to go, Dan! Yes. 
<laughs> no fail. <laughs> you could do better than that. So, um, let's see. Dan, are you going to talk to us? Yes. Okay. <laughs> He's so busy looking through all of his, his sound effects. Hey, he... Dan, how's business? Oh, it's not so good. That's not the right answer. <laughs> How uplifting did you want this podcast to be? We want, I want to know the about truth. your life. We want I the truth. I care more about you than the podcast. Tell us the truth. No, nah, it's just going to bum me out and bum everybody listening out. So, <laughs> Well, it's complicated. <laughs> you're, you're sending me mixed emotion, like signals right now. You got some samples this week. I apologize for yelling at you. (laughs) Oh, man. So it's not going. Are are you getting the help from your father-in-law? Not not yet. He's retired officially now. Okay. And not yet working for me. But uh, he will. Yeah. Good. So we'll see how that goes. Right. You know, father-in-law working for me. What could go wrong? Usually it's, yeah, exactly. Usually (laughs) it's the other way around. (laughs) Right. We'll see. Have you examined any cut-off fingers lately? I don't think he can talk about that, can he? Can you? Well, if he had, he certainly couldn't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Or could you just, you just couldn't mention the client. Yeah, I don't know if I'm at liberty to say. If it was yeah, a cutoff finger, cool. it'd be in the news, and so I think we'd all know. Well, it will be uh, now. No, no cutoff <laughs> fingers. I did look at a worm today and try yeah. to figure out where the worm came from. The bottom of your bottle of tequila doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Safe word. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, okay, Dan. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's too bad, Dan. You have to make me pull out the big guns, Dan. Uh, I know. Tell me what the last book you read was. It's come the to last that. Book. Oh, we were supposed to prepare for this, weren't we? All you have to say <laughs> is what the last, you know. You just said a book. You just you say, can... this is the last book I read. <clears throat> you can just okay. make and one hopefully up. Hopefully it's interesting enough we can talk about it. All right. The last book I, I read. Is I don't normally read fiction, but since I got a Kindle for Christmas, I decided to read a fictional book. And I chose a book called Horns uh, by a guy named Joe Hill, who is actually the son of Stephen King. And this is his sophomore attempt at a novel, and it was pretty good. And it's just about a hill. No, that's the guy's name, Joe Hill. It's about horns. <laughs> oh, Is that the the Daniel Radcliffe movie? Was it made out of that book? Yeah, just yeah. Seriously? Just yeah, it was made into a movie. I was just trying to be funny. No, that's that was it. So this this guy wakes up after a drunken row uh, the next morning, and he's got horns growing out of his head, and these horns. Um, cause people to basically tell him their deepest, darkest secrets. Because they think he's Moses. 
Yes. Moses? Yeah. Moses had horns? It was a uh, a mistranslation. Oh, really? And back in the day, yeah. So, like, you look at, like... The um, Renaissance. Uh, yeah, statues yeah. of Moses. He'll have horns coming out. It's, it's oh. one of the, like, the... Okay, the icon, I've seen that. I don't know if it's the right word, but iconography of Moses is he has horns that coming out of his head. Get out of town. <laughs> yeah, it's true. How funny. Was it a mistranslation based on, like, the veil? Instead it was translated yeah, as yeah, horns? Yeah, I believe it was really? the veil that was translated as horns. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine when some monk figured out that it wasn't? Yeah, horns? it was like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, I think probably somebody they and they just waited like two hundred years to mention that. Um, right. Or but, you know, they was they the probably way, figured it out while Michelangelo was working on it. it was like, I heard the Protestants. I hate to tell you this. It was the the Protestants definitely. It was part of the. It was one of the part of the Martin yeah. Luther's theses on the the door. That was a major part of it. It was a veil. <laughs> was Moses does not have horns? I believe that was that was number. Uh, 42, if I remember right. You're welcome for getting that straightened out for you guys. Yeah. So you liked it, Dan. Would you recommend it? To those Um, who enjoy Stephen King. (laughs) Yeah, I just typed it in on this this website that I might talk about sometime, and it says, Revenge, Murder, Devil, Fiction, Horror Tales. I like to read one of those. <laughs> no, actually, not all five crammed together. <laughs> actually, Revenge can be a pretty good book. Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, fantastic. Count of Monte Cristo. It's a good book. Hey, What'd you read, Ken? Uh, I have been reading a book called Social by Matthew Lieberman. It's um, he's a scientist who. Uh, studies the brain and he basically does experiments on people while studying their MRIs and uh, it's really it's really interesting he, he's just talking about the parts of our brain that interact with so- social in in like relationships and beha- that kind of behavior stuff and um, one of the really interesting things that he talks about up front is how all of us have <coughs> this um uh, like a like an automatic, our brains will automatically go back to thinking about social behavior, like social interactions that we've had immediately after we give it a task. So if you, if you're given a math problem and then you solve that math problem, your brain will immediately go to thinking about a social interaction you had or kind of working through like uh, how to read, like read a certain situation and how you're going to react to it the next day when you, have a coworker that asks you some question or whatever, you know, like um, they call it the default system. Um, but. Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the uh, things? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's real interesting. He talks about uh, how, how we're all designed to be able to read each other's minds and how there's a, it's called the mirror system and we can, we, we use it to, mirror other people's behaviors and so we can use that to then walk through a scenario in our brain and to think through how the other person's going to react and so kent would you say that that is what's wrong with say me yeah yeah actually as i've been listening to (laughs) 
I've been like, uh, maybe Matt should. He talks about how we, um, how people who practice that are the that part of their brain that lights up will light up even in greater detail than like people who who don't practice that regularly. So, and it's one of the reasons why I like. He he said that autistic people tend to not uh, have that region light up as brightly because and so they don't they're not focusing on relationships like the rest of us are and having to in their you know in their mind be processing that constantly. It's a really interesting read though. Well, see, someone gave me an IQ a book of IQ tests once for my birthday or something. Birthday or Christmas. I mean, they're a day apart. It's hard to remember which it was. <laughs> anyway. Are you okay? Sorry. Proceed. <laughs> um, and one of the tests was a social IQ test. Hmm. And I had always assumed that I was bad in social situations because I tend to panic and just blank, draw blanks when people talk to me. But I took this social test, which was a multiple choice test where you chose the right thing to do in social situations. And I did very poorly, which <laughs> was was kind of disheartening because it was like, well, even if you had the time to think <laughs> and to try, you would still do and say the wrong things. <laughs> and it was it was that should be kind of depressing. So, yeah, the lesson should be is that you don't have to think about it. It doesn't right. matter. It, it will your... be bad no matter what right Go with your initial exactly. instinct because it's not going to matter right i'm curious as to what some of those questions were you should bring that next time yeah uh, i don't know do you still have the book um i'll have to ask betsy i can look put it down put it down write it down anyway social it's a good read interesting social yeah how would it rank up there with the other books you've read recently? Uh, it's really intriguing because a lot of books I don't make it through because if the title tells – you know, if you get into it and you're like, the title tells me everything I need to know, I'm done right. with it. And, and I feel like he's he's doing a good job of breaking the stuff down. It's 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 just technical enough that it, it – like you get some of the – like names and things that you – you know, he doesn't write it for a dummy, but at the same time, he keeps it at a level because he was a he was a philosophy student initially, and then he went into neurology, and so he kind of brings that slant of it too, like looking at the philosophical um, underpinnings of the whole thing and how how that plays into our our society and how we work with each other and interact with each other and um and. One of the he, they did, he, they did this study. Uh, I don't remember which system they were talking about, but where they would um, show people these a squ like a square and two triangles, and they would move around on the screen, and they were just literally like darting around and stuff. But afterwards, he would they would ask people what they observed, and people would be like, "Well, the two triangles ganged up on the square, and they right. pushed around, <laughs> and the right? And they all were interpreting the entire thing as though it was like a cartoon with." But there was nothing that you know gave them the sense that they were animate objects, other than that they were moving. But they applied their social thinking to the whole thing. Um, they, all the experiments are really cool to listen to. There's another one where they, with the mind reading, where they set up these shelves where I could see from the backside, I could see everything that was on every shelf, 
But from the front side, there were certain shelves that were blocked from your view. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so they would tell uh, they would tell the people on the side where there were certain things blocked to read off a list of things to have you move from the other side. And so one of the, the items would say, like, move the smallest candle uh, up two shelves and to the right one shelf. Well, the problem was the smallest candle was not actually visible to you, the person asking the other person to move it, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. so they couldn't see the, see the, the actual smallest candle. And so they would do it with different, like, age ranges. And they, and they found that, like, five years old and up – there began to be this increased ability for you to be able to predict that the person on the other side of the table couldn't see that there was a candle there and that you would, they would actually not move the smallest candle, but they'd move the smallest candle that you could see and fall. So it's just this real interesting like idea that we can read each other's mind and perceive what you perceive. And he talks about how in the animal world, that's a completely like completely unique thing to humans that no other animal has been able to show that they can do that kind of activity where they can perceive that you know something as well, you know? And so it's really interesting stuff. (laughs) Stupid dolphins. (laughs) Right. Good book. Good book. All righty. Heath. Well, do you want fiction or nonfiction? The last book you read. Last. The last it's not book the last that I finished book. reading or that I'm yeah, reading the last right book now. You finished reading. Okay. Or, unless you really want to talk about the one you're reading right now. The last book that I finished reading was The Screw Tape Letters. All right. Which is my my third re- time to read it all the way through throughout my life, which is cool because you pick up different stuff, don't you? Yeah, you pick up way different stuff. There's stuff that I just you know, the first the first time or two that I read it, I just skimmed right past because it didn't apply to my life yeah. situation yet. But now there's, you know, it, it, like one of the things where he talks about um, where uh, if you don't know, screw tape letters is a screw tape is a like a senior demon writing letters to his nephew Wormwood, who's a junior demon. And did we just lose somebody? Are you no. guys all there? We're here. I'm here. Oh, okay. Just my Skype made a weird noise. So anyway, when he's talking to them about the, I think he calls it the law of undulation, which is just that life has its ups and downs, its valleys and, um, you know, uh, mountaintops. And, uh, you know, when you're 20 and you read that, it means something completely different than when you're 36 and have three kids and have been married for 16 years and you read it. What did it mean to you? It was, well, I mean, that particular thing, it was kind of freeing. It was, it was, because, I mean, he basically says there's no getting around it. That's just life. It's going to happen. And that sure, you know, he's like, he's telling Wormwood, you can take advantage of those low points and sure, maybe it'll do you some good, but that's just the way their life is. And they don't always realize it, but it's in the end, it's not going to do you that much good um, because there's not much substance to it. Or or, or I'm probably not saying it very well, but. Well, because the personal swing the other way and realize that 
Right. Well, what was I thinking? Right, exactly. Right. And I've experienced that in life a lot more now. And so right. it was kind of freeing to read that and to realize, you know, when you hit those low points, it's okay. You don't have to kick yourself. You don't have to. Well, you, you, you might need to. Heath. Well, I might need to. <laughs> We'll you, kick know, you. you don't Maybe have we... to feel so guilty about not having a high energy level at a certain point in life or for, for, you know, a couple of weeks or months or whatever. Right. Years. Hopefully not. So I don't know. There's so much in that book. I, I don't know that I could really say much more. I mean, I could... what are you reading right now? Um, Right now I'm reading... Um, may think um hearing god by dallas willard never heard of him you've never heard of dallas willard oh man he's good you'd probably like him he's, he's okay he's not catholic though so yeah he's got two strikes against him already I suppose. neither was c.s lewis. lewis wasn't either that's true but he was about as close as you can get and still be protestant no, I actually read a book about Catholicism uh, where the his premise was, well, not his premise, but one thing he talked about was that he's pretty sure if if uh, if C.S. Lewis had stuck around till after Vatican II that he probably would have <laughs> That's funny because you know the Orthodox claim him too as an honorary Orthodox. Well, everybody wants C.S. Lewis. Yeah. But It'd it's be crazy not to want him. The Protestants that got him, so... There you go. There you go. That's sweet. <laughs> so I read Study in Scarlet again by Ooh. Arthur Conan Doyle, which is well, the Sherlock. first Sherlock Holmes uh, book. Very nice. Because Anna got a Kindle because Betsy's dad had a Kindle, and he's like, I never use it. So he gave it to Anna, which is great because Anna loves it. And so she's like, what should I, she's always like, what should I read? What should I read? And so I had put a bunch of stuff on there. I, I put my complete Sherlock Holmes on there. And so, cause she had read one before and she's like, I didn't really like it. And I was like, well, you should probably read this one because then, you know, you know, it's the first one and you kind of learn about the, the Sherlock characters more. Yeah. Right. That's good. So she enjoyed it. Yeah, but but see, the problem was that I I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can read it, and then I was like, I really need to read it to, in case there's something I need to talk to her about in it. So that's why I read it was right. just to to make sure that it was okay to tell her to read it. Which of course she finished it right away, and I didn't get to it first. <laughs> but so it, it was pretty much okay. To talk to her? okay, pretty much okay. No, it, it's I mean, there's. I mean, the problem with Anna is she reads at such a high level that she's always reading stuff that she really shouldn't be, but there's nothing else for her to read, really. Yeah. That Jacob's the same hard. way. Yeah. I should uh, get him to read that. I hadn't thought about doing that one yet. She, yeah. knew, she knew who Agatha Christie was when I asked her about it. Yeah, well. <clears throat> and then she said of... that you wouldn't let her read any murder mysteries <laughs> because she shouldn't <laughs> be reading those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm. Well, she knows about Agatha Christie because we watched Poirot uh, and Miss Marple. 
Uh-huh. And as long as you, you know, because those those are like great because you know exactly when the bad stuff's coming. So you're just like, go leave the room for five minutes, Anna, and then come back, or we'll yeah. tell you when to come back. Because <laughs> and and the rest of it, you know, it's there's really nothing bad in them at all. So they're okay to watch, and so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably I'm uh, I don't know, I might let her read Agatha Christie, maybe. Yeah, because Jacob started watching all of the uh, Sherlock's. So. He's watching them. Yeah. How old is he? He's twelve and a half. There's now, really not I would much not let bad watch Sherlock. But that's me. Mm, <laughs> he, he's watching him with us. Yeah. But she's how old is she? But also, I mean, she gets scared and stuff. Don't and let him watch the first Sherlock. Third. Is pretty. Don't let him trippy. watch this. Yeah, don't let him watch the study in Scarlet on that one. Is yeah. that the one with the the hound? It's no, it's the one where no. the lady walks around naked. I mean, she's no, you don't see anything. No, Scarlet. Is it? Yeah, because he, he meets the woman. I don't remember. I don't. They remember go over to their house. He, they go over to her house. The woman. He does, he does that. The the like um, where he tricks her into showing him where the stuff is. Right. You know? Right. That that scene, but it's. it's probably provocative for a 12 year old yeah we watch so. it with him so we have stuff like that comes up we can skip it or yeah i think it's that when you get to that one it's i think like the very first part of that episode so okay anyway there you go there you go parents beware sherlock <laughs> he so. wants to watch walking dead because that's what it, all the kids at school are watching but i'm like no way are you watching that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah should not desensitize your child. That's probably a good call. Yeah. It's fine for me. <laughs> right. Right. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, no. you Whatever. <laughs> um, no, I mean. I have uh, one final question for you. Shoot. <laughs> what? Not really. Oh. <laughs> I, I hit the wrong button. Well, what was the right button? Hit it. So we can move on to our news segment. Yeah. Articles, anything you've read recently? There was a football game that I know Heath and, Ken, or Heath and Dan didn't watch because they're communists. But the rest <laughs> of America watched. I watched it for the commercials. You know who else didn't watch it? Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's a communist. Worth listening to this podcast just for that one joke. He was probably busy riding a bear with his shirt off <laughs> down a river. So really, yeah. So how was the game, Matt? The fight yeah. was the best well, part of the game. The fight was good. The problem was we got the two sick toddlers, and then our our TV antenna was. We weren't getting a good signal for the first half. And then, I mean, I basically missed most of the first half. And then my brother-in-law wanted to watch the game over at my parents' house. And then their antenna went out completely. So then I ended up running over there to fix theirs. And then I missed the first part of the halftime. So I was up in the attic adjusting their antenna. But, but yeah, it was a heck of a game. Came down to the wire. <laughs> yeah, it um, sure did. Last half. I mean, that was awesome. What really did you cool. think of the call? 
that now, everyone's questioning at the, time, at the end. At the time, I was like, that's crazy. Why would you throw the ball? But, you know, the, the thing is you sort of assume, well, that's a dumb thing well, because of how it turned out. But I saw somebody put up a vine of the play today on the Internet. And when you watch the play unfold over and over, what you realize is <laughs> that the Patriots guy made a heck of a play. I mean, he just comes out of nowhere and grabs that ball. And it's hard to tell even – I mean, he he just spotted the play and took it out because, you know, it's like you watch the play and it's like good play, good play, and you even think he needs to throw the ball. The guy's wide open when he throws it. Huh. And then that Patriot guy just – I mean, he just sniffed it out and went right for it and made a heck of a play. I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's you easy ha- to sit there and say that was, that was a terrible call, but – you know, that's more just a heck of a play by the by what's his face. I don't know any of their names. <laughs> <laughs> so I only watch the three NFL games a year. So, <laughs> but I was happy because I just want I just always want it to be a good game. So, yeah, that's what I always want when I watch the Super Bowl. You always want it to be close. Yeah, right. no and it did that. It was it was a great finish. Dan. You have an article you'd like to discuss? Um, let's see. I read about Casanova, the party robot. Now we're talking. Who was big in the mid eighties. And apparently this guy, this 20, 20 something year old guy just decided to, to build his own robot and market the robot as uh, a party attender and people like celebrities would pay for this robot to be at their, <laughs> at their party. That's brilliant. And I mean, this thing, you know, by today's standards looks completely ancient. It's very, you know, boxy and very, you know, rustic and it, it doesn't look, you know, high tech at all by, by today's standards. But, Back then, I had like a Polaroid camera glued to the top of its head, <laughs> and you know, would carry a tray around with drinks. And uh, I, I guess the guy, it was remote control, so he would steer it around the party, and and uh, his voice would come through, and that was like his alter ego because he was kind of a, a mild mannered guy, and you know, during the day and then at night at these parties, you know, his wild side would come out. But the the whole article was like contrasting the like the the hope of the future back in the the seventies and eighties, you know, compared to the hope of the future now. You know, we don't we don't have like futurism like we we did back then. You know, we uh, when we can... <clears throat> like Back to the Future two came out, you know, and, and the you know the the Jaws ten and the the holographic uh, movies and the self drying clothes and the the hoverboard, you know that that like mystified us and captured our imagination. But nowadays it's like meh, you know. I still swear and, uh, that we saw that news report that the hoverboard actually existed when Back to it, the Future two it came out. Was did did you know that Richard Donner did an interview where he said it existed and that they had one. Huh. He, he did like a little mini documentary thing. Why was it Richard so, Donner? I don't know. Wasn't he the guy who did that movie? No, that was Robert Zemeckis. Same thing. Yeah, they're brothers. Duck, yeah. They're brothers. 
<laughs> so Dan is is Casanova is this the same robot that goes around at the state fair and talks to little kids yeah because when I was is it the school, same guy no Casanova is oh, that's too bad resting and have you seen that guy yeah at I had that guy fair? came to my elementary school when I was a kid no haven't seen it yeah at the state fair there's a robot that walks around and there's this guy that he's just sort of you know he is. Walking around and he's just talking. He's got a mic on. He just talks for the robot. and So the robot just goes around asking kids questions and stuff. Is the robot like an Android type robot or more like an R2D2 type robot? No, yeah, more like R2D2. R2D2. Is that what yeah. the party robot was like? Dan? Like R2D2? Yeah. Uh, well, it was, yeah, it was a rolling, right, okay. rolling robot, but it was. Not meant to look human, though. Right. Now, I I think that's not true. We do have a fascination with the future. Our futures are just all like the world has gone to pot and we've all gone back to third world countries with zombies chasing us. You know? Which I think negates the hope of the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, well, right. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, we have this amazing technology and, and it's like, you know, like the person, like when they were saying what you would tell someone from the past. And it's like, well, I have this device in my pocket. It has the entire world's, the knowledge, the collected knowledge of the entire world at my fingertips. And I use it to look at pictures of cats. Right. There's sort of a. Yeah, I saw that meme too. Yeah, it was a good yeah. meme. But I mean, there's sort of a, a letdown with all the technology we have. Like, oh, right. so, well, okay so, then. And it's, you know, making us dumber because nobody's bored. Right. We never experience boredom to come up with any good ideas. That's not true. I see I'm bored posted on Facebook all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me nuts. Oh, gosh. Do you remember I had that friend in uh, junior high I used to complain about? Don't worry, it was none of you. And sometimes he would call me up. <laughs> he would be like, I'm bored. <laughs> and he would do it to me all the time. And I would just think, yeah, and now I'm bored. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Kent or Heath, do you have something really interesting to talk about? We don't have a lot of time left. Yeah, I I, uh, I found that I was reading a thing about Cotard's delusion. delusion. Have you guys ever heard of that? He just made that word up. No, it's a syndrome that people have where they – believe that they're dead and that they've gone to hell or heaven and that they don't actually exist anymore here. And I so, read like, that. I saw that about a girl that had that recently. Yeah, yeah. there was a girl who had it recently. And I mean, there's been a, several cases throughout the last several hundred years. Um, one lady like forced her family to have a funeral for her and to, cause she was like, no, you don't get it. I'm dead. You have to have a wake. And so her family for, for like, days was like we're not going to do this and finally they they gave in and had a funeral for her and it's it's crazy stuff but they try to convince their well fans. that's creepy yeah One and the girl that had it recently like was drawn to graveyards and stuff like yeah. that she wanted to just go and sit there and one be lady among like lady people. one lady in like the 1700s i think was convinced that she was immortal and she had she was also convinced that her innards had rotted and so eating wouldn't make any sense for her and she she didn't eat and ended up dying of starvation 
so it it's a really like creepy kind of weird thing, but interesting. Well, that's a great way to end the podcast, Ken. <laughs> hey, I have Thanks. a story. Yeah, hit us. I know, quick. but Kent said he wanted 45 minutes, and we got 20 seconds, Heath. Shoot, 20 go, seconds. Heath. Hit it. Sorry. Before oh. just the plug gets pulled and we're done. I mean, what what can you this do? We're up podcast. against a hard deadline. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> go, Heath. Well, I have more bad news, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. It turns out that the Ring of Power was discovered and mastered by a fourth grade boy in Texas. I saw that headline. I didn't click on it. <laughs> he, he, and he took it to school and got suspended for wielding the Ring of Power at school. True story. <laughs> no, he didn't. Suspended a fourth grader. For wielding the ring of power. He said that he had mastered it and that he could make one of the, his classmates disappear by using it. <laughs> and so here's here's his dad's quote. He says, I assure you my son lacks the magical powers necessary to threaten his fr- friend's existence. If he did, I'm sure he'd bring him right back. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you. That's funny. So, you know, get ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> the ring's been found and it's been mastered. <laughs> That's funny. I have another story. Do you? It's pretty funny. <laughs> did you did you guys hear about the Syrian rebels that uh they um they were basically the uh, Syrian government set up a bunch of fake online dating websites to lure Syrian rebels into giving away information, and it worked. Really? And they, like, through chatting with these Syrian rebel guys, they would uh, send them pictures, and um, the pictures would have, like, malware embedded in it that would then. Uh, search their hard drives for information and send it back to the Syrian government. And they had gigabytes and gigabytes of all kinds of information, battle plans, names of the rebels, um, <clears throat> all kinds of cool stuff like that. They got catfished. Yeah, big time. <laughs> I just wonder what those guys that now it's all out in the public, do you think they'll get beheaded? The guys that did this, that got caught up in it? Yes. Anyway, nobody thinks that's funny. Fine, I'm cutting that segment. Well, it was <laughs> funny until you said they were going to get beheaded. Well, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Do that's you feel terrible. sorry for the, the Syrian rebels? Because let's be honest, there's no good guys over there. I I don't know enough about if you're going to get Syria. mad at me every time I do something stupid, then I guess I'll just have to stop doing stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets me. Very true. It's too good. All right. So now what? Well, we either, I mean, I was going to have us recommend some music for people. If you wanted, then we can it. wrap it up. Or... Let's do it. Dan. Shovels and rope. Shovels and rope? 
Yeah. Sounds cheery. It's good yeah. stuff. It's like, <laughs> uh, well, you like the Abbott Brothers, right? Avet Brothers. How do you say it? I think it's Avet Brothers. Avet. Yeah. Uh, they say it, and it's like whatever. It doesn't flow with the Kansas uh, accent. It's not it's pronounceable just, by Kansans. Yeah, I don't think Kansans can can successfully pronounce the name of Avit. Avit. They say it, and it's just like what. <laughs> anyway, it's this uh, this guy and this lady, a duo, and it's I don't know in the style of. Did you say a guy and a lady or a guy and his lady? A guy yes. and a lady. I don't think they're oh. together. Anyway, they're, <laughs> it's like uh, there's this new uh, music tag, mu- music genre called Americana. It's, new? Uh, you know, been around for, you know, 300 years or so. And it's, uh, it's good stuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so they would fall into that. Americana. They, they would fall under Americana. All right. So do they they have a full band, or is it just like them and a guitar? Or what? well, it's like yeah. I mean, he plays percussion, she plays guitar, but then they have like a backup band in some of the some of the songs. Uh, but it's, I mean, they talk about you know cocaine and and bank robberies and you know paying prostitutes and that kind of stuff. Well, that's so what I'm always looking for. So, well, you know, it's, it's good. When you like, say he plays percussion, what does yeah. that mean? He I'm plays, it's a, uh, I don't know what you would call it. It's a, like a pared down trap. So it's just the bass drum, like a snare, the hi-hats, and maybe a, I don't know. So he's just playing a drum set. Sure. <clears throat> but without the crash cymbals and everything. All right. Without all the fancy stuff. Yeah. The fancy, the fanciness. The ornaments. It's good so, stuff. Matt, do you have a band recommendation or music recommendation? Um, I was just going to say John Fulbright, um, which is sort of a... I don't know. It's cool because my niece, Joanna, went to OSU, of course, and she used to tell me about this guy that she knew that was an incredible musician. And it's one of those things because it's like, you know, you hear that a lot. It's like, I have this friend who's really good and everything, and but he really is. And, and so um, she's known him since before he was big. He used to play on her front porch and stuff. And so, but it's John Fulbright, and now he's he's really getting big. He was nominated for a Grammy. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. And he's just put out a second album. No, not, I think this summer it came out. Anyway, it's really good stuff. And he's getting a lot of national attention lately. He was on Letterman a couple months ago, and he was on Prairie Home Companion this, this week. It's just cool. It's really good stuff. Who was it that knew him? Uh, Joanna. Oh, okay. And knows him, yeah. Like, and so, like, yeah, Linda went to it. I, I still haven't made it to a show when he's in Oklahoma City because Joanna's always trying to get me to go. Linda went and he signed her CD to Aunt Linda, you know. It's just <laughs> cool. It's just fun. And it's, he's, I mean, he's seriously incredibly talented. Really good songwriter. You should check him out. Cool. What, what kind of style? Who would you compare him to? 
Uh, the Avett Brothers. <laughs> wow. No, right. I mean it's yeah, it's American Bootsy, folk. Um, you know, singer songwriter, but he generally plays with full band. Um, but he does stuff just him and a guitar and just him and piano. But he's got a backup band. I mean, it's just regular music. But I mean, he's from Oklahoma, so it's sort of he's got a twang to it, you know. He just can't help it. So when we talked about wanting to uh, discuss music next week or last week, we talked about it for this week. So I realized I hadn't found any good music in a long time. And I went on a quest. And one night I spent two hours searching for new good music. And I came out of it very depressed. (laughs) I was in a very dark place that night because I could not find anything. That's funny. Did you find anything? No, I never did. Really? The, the, The latest new music that I have found that I like. Um, maybe you've heard of it. Um, she's called Lord. That's all I got. <laughs> I, I, I do like Lord, you I know, have to admit. And I, I it, wish you would let her drummer play an actual drum set. But I, other and, than that. And I only mention her because I normally really hate pop music, but there's just something about hers that's different. And catchy then in a way that i can like it hmm it's really sad heath that i don't I had like to pare it. mine down i mean i know i had several things i wanted to talk about and i was like you know you gotta first time you gotta talk about john Fulbright. well i mean i have stuff but none of it's new and nothing that you really like huh no i mean there's stuff that i like but i don't have anything new that's like you guys have never heard of this prepared to be wowed but like just because so what do you listen to though i mean even if i've heard of it i'm just curious well it doesn't have to be something i've never heard of okay so well and it's not like i have one artist right now so my kids are really getting into music now and so i have this we call it the mix and in the mix anytime i come across any song that i think that I like then and the kids will like it, I put it in the mix and I put it at the uh-huh. top of the list so that uh-huh. we've always got fresh stuff that's newer. Okay. And so right now in the mix, I have uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Lord. Yeah. Um, her version, which is, I, I liked the it's original song, but it, hers is way better actually. Um, Yellow Flicker Beat. And yeah. then uh, th- I, you can tell we've, we were into um, uh, what's it called? The movie, the book, the Mockingjay. Catching, yeah, the, yeah, the Catching Fire. Because these are Hunger these are all from the Hunger Games yeah. soundtrack. These are all from that. Who yeah. We Are, which is Imagine Dragons, Warriors Imagine Dragons, Vox Populi by Thirty Seconds to Mars. Um, there's a cool song, Noises, that you guys might not have heard called from Mike Mains and the Branches. It's a pretty cool song. I really like it's it. It's just a bunch of noises. It's kind of it just kind of rocks out. Um, but it's pretty catchy. The kids really like it a lot. So anyway. It most of the stuff on the list is kind of uh pop rock kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I like Lord a lot too. It's good stuff. 
So, Kent, what about you? Uh, I mostly listen to classical music. So, Bach, Beethoven, that kind of stuff. It's kind of my thing. It's my groove. It's what I do. Are those guys new? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> some new stuff. Pretty, It's pretty cool. out there. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I don't know if you can handle it, honestly. It's kind of... Is it kind of concept music? Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. No concept. lyrics, right? Anything like that? One of the guys is like deaf or mute or blind. I don't know what he is. It's something, but he had some kind of ailment. <laughs> That's cool. That's all I got. Oh, really? <laughs> That's all I got tonight. Well, boys, that's all I have as far as a roadmap. I don't know. Sort of like the second episode letdown, kind of. Really? I think it was pretty good. I mean, it had its low points, but I think overall it was good. Oh! I killed it! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get to use that one. That's that's one of my favorite all-time scenes, really. Travis and I used to use that whole scene to get revved up for IDA in high school. <laughs> I thought you guys just did that scene every time. <laughs> no, we didn't do that scene. We did the we would reuse the scene where uh, we would be driving in a car and one person yes. would, and we'd fight over the radio and then you end up on some song. Wind beneath eyes. my wings. Yeah, I think it was usually that. It was always singing it dramatically. We may have used that a few times. Thanks for joining us this week on the Breaking Awesome podcast. Please be sure to visit breakingawesome.com. You can ask us questions, send us feedback, give us suggestions of things to talk about. Uh, Make sure to give us a good review on iTunes if you feel led. Thanks. Later. Out. I didn't like it. No, that was good. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.